If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, another hour of the Jesse Kelly Show. We have so much to get to with COVID coming back and nuclear war and the Biden evidence gets thicker and deeper and that's not good in any possible way. But before we get to any of that, I'm going to get to this. You see, it's Tuesday and normally we do this on Monday at this time, but we weren't here yesterday. We didn't feel like it would be right to miss out on this week's Medal of Honor. It should be noted, I am perfectly aware that as of about, oh, two, three hours ago, Biden crowned a couple new Medal of Honor earners. At least a couple, I believe, if memory serves me. We were doing different stuff for the show. Uh, We're going to do those guys next week. All right, we're just not doing them today. I didn't want Biden to get in the way of all of it. It's just going to screw all that up. And also, somebody sent in this one for Medal of Honor Monday, which is not very nice. For conspicuous gallantry gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, Jesse Kelly distinguished himself while serving as an anti-communist. Jesse was lounging in his lazy boy, probably thinking of himself, when, without knowing, a red ant ant, uh, communist army placed him in imminent danger. While his wife laid down suppressive fire clearing out the pantry, Jesse suffered devastating wounds from a single red ant bite. 
He then proceeded to discuss this matter of his extraordinary heroism on his radio and his show, I'm Right, which airs on the first TV. Jesse reflects the highest credit upon himself and his country. You know, you guys aren't very nice when it comes to this. But remember, we do take email recommendations. This one says, world-famous author Jesse. There was a family friend who was a Medal of Honor recipient who was also a world-famous author. Donald Ross was a machinist on the USS Nevada on December 7th, 1941. I don't think I need to tell you what happened that day. He gave me an autographed copy of his book, and I'm looking forward to getting an autographed copy of the Anti-Communist Manifesto. His book is 0755, The Heroes of Pearl Harbor. It's a breakdown of all the medal winners from the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. I would recommend getting this book if you don't have it already. The foreword will bring a tear to your eye. And his name is Steve. And uh, without further ado, let's begin. Ready? Aim. Honoring those who went above and beyond. It's Medal of Honor Monday. Donald Kirby Ross, U.S. Navy. For distinguished conduct in line of his profession, extraordinary courage, and disregard for his own life during the attack on the fleet at Pearl Harbor, territory of Hawaii, by Japanese forces on the 7th of December 1941. When his station in the forward dynamo room of the USS Nevada became almost untenable due to smoke, steam, and heat, machinist Ross forced his men to leave that station and performed all the duties himself until blinded and unconscious. Upon being rescued and resuscitated, he returned and secured the forward dynamo door and proceeded to the after dynamo room where he was later again rendered unconscious by exhaustion. Again recovering consciousness, he returned to his station where he remained until directed to abandon it. Now, that's it for the Medal of Honor citation. I, I feel like I need to explain something, and then we'll get back to politics, but I need to explain a couple things here because that was very short, kind of hard to understand, not really sure what's going on. Okay, first, this is about Pearl Harbor, the USS Nevada. What's special about the USS Nevada when it comes to Pearl Harbor? Well, this is what's special. Remember, remember what Pearl Harbor was. The Japanese weren't trying to beat America that day. That's, uh, that's again, something your idiot history teacher told you because he didn't ever bother reading anything on it. That's not what they were trying to do. They knew they couldn't beat America in a straight-up head-to-head fight. What they wanted to do was cripple America's Pacific fleet for long enough. They didn't think it would be permanent. For long enough... For them to fortify all the other islands and areas they were going to take over and fortify. Clear over in the Pacific. They wanted to buy themselves fortification time. So that when the time came where we came to attack them, which they knew would happen. They knew we would repair. They knew we would rebuild. They knew we would come attack them. They gambled in the ultimate bad gamble of mankind that we were too soft that we would not have the willpower to fight our way from island to island, that we wouldn't have the willpower of their guys who were all willing to die, and that we would eventually quit and really sue for peace. Essentially, we would quit and give them, just let them keep a bunch of the stuff they'd taken. That's what they banked on. Did it turn out to be the dumbest gamble in history? Yes, it did, but that's what they were banking on. Anyway, 
at Pearl Harbor, what were they after? They were after our aircraft carriers. The Japanese, to their credit, understood before most of the major powers that the aircraft carrier, that is what would win naval battles in World War II. It had never been that way. It was always the gigantic ships, right? It was always the destroyers and more specifically the battleship with the big guns and the... But really, once you figured out how to fly these devastating planes off of the top of one of these ships, that becomes the most deadly thing on the water. Aircraft carriers. They were coming to take out our aircraft carriers. Our aircraft carriers happened to be out on maneuvers. So... They switched to, to trying to take out our battleships. Now, why did our battleships take such a beating in Pearl Harbor? Why? Here's, here's something about naval combat, and you're going to have to forgive me. I've been geeking out on this a lot lately, just different naval battles throughout history. Yes, World War II included. One thing that we don't picture because we haven't been, I've never been in naval combat before. All the combat I was in was on land. You probably haven't been in naval warfare. We picture this. We have a movie image. Remember, movies, entertainment shapes a lot of our image on things. And when you think about ships, even World War II ships, you probably think about the big guns cooking off at each other, right? And they're landing in the water right by the ship. And it goes, oh, right, 10 degrees or something like that. And then they move it and then it hits the next ship. But what you don't realize is the ships, their, their greatest defense by a mile because of the advances in gunnery, the advances in being able to shoot, their greatest defense is their mobility. These ships... They had different formations depending on what they were doing. And they had different motions, different movements they would go through depending on if they're being attacked and what kind of attack it is. If you're a ship, you must move. These ships, if you read about any kind of naval combat, and this is common, if you lost a mast in the old sailing days so the wind didn't catch you anymore, you, it was over. Give up. You're done. Once you're stationary, it's over. The same thing when it happened to all these World War II ships. If you want to fast forward to this era, World War II, all these torpedoes and bombs, and you have all these things going through your ship from the bombs dropped from the dive bombers to the torpedoes to, to other things. It's not just that something may hit how you steer. Something may hit your power system so you don't have enough power to get the ship going or your ship is half as fast as it was. I'm actually currently reading about one. It's a World War II ship. I'm not going to go into the details of it. They just had a great attack and a great battle and they got attacked on their way out. Now they're at half speed and all the men have essentially already said, okay, we're all done. They're all saying their goodbyes. At half speed, you can't outrun it. You must move. At Pearl Harbor, all these planes came in and our ships... They were not only not moving, they were parked beside each other. So they're, so they're laying there in twos. They're laying there in pairs, not moving. It's, it's already over. You, me, we look at all the big guns and the anti-aircraft guns and all the brave sailors on those ships, and we think, well, gosh, they should be able to make a good go of it, right? Just shoot back and you'll shoot them down. A stationary ship is already gone. It's over. 
what made the Nevada, and we'll talk about this just a little bit more, and then we're going to get to nuclear war and emails and stuff like that. What made the Nevada a little bit different during Pearl Harbor was this. It was the battleship that wasn't stuck right beside another battleship. It wasn't paired up with any of the battleships. And so the Nevada, as the attack got underway, it was the one that had the freedom of movement and credit to its commanders, the wherewithal, to get moving. That was the most important thing. If you can get moving, we got to move. Now we have to get moving. We can't stay here. We're all going to die. I will finish this Nevada stuff and then we'll get to nuclear war and what they're saying about the Supreme Court and the 14th Amendment stuff and emails. We're going to talk about you and why you shouldn't be buying the meat where you buy your meat because we all go to the grocery store to get our meat. It is, the, it is the most American thing in the world. It's what I've done my entire life. What do I want when I want a T-bone? I go to the grocery store. What do I want when I want chicken? I go to the grocery store. What, why are we still living like it's 1925? What if I could get you better meat delivered to your front door and, oh, include two years worth of free ground beef with it? Oh, and did I mention the meat? It's all American meat, all American sourced. That's what Good Ranchers is. It's American meat delivered to your front door. The best meat you can find without paying money to your garbage grocery store. Go ahead and look up that corporation who owns your grocery store. They're evil. Instead, your money goes to Good Ranchers who share your values. They deliver meat to your front door and they give you two years worth of free ground beef with it. All you have to do is go subscribe to one of their boxes. They have amazing boxes. GoodRanchers.com, promo code JESSE, gets you 25 bucks off and $480 worth of free ground beef in your first two years. GoodRanchers.com, promo code JESSE. The Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Tuesday. If you miss even a single second of the show, that would be devastating for you. I can't even imagine how you would get by. Yeah! So that means you need to go download the podcast of the show. They podcast all three hours, even though they're separate, and that's really stupid. But they download, they, they, they upload, Chris, uploads, is it, do you upload the podcast or download it? You upload it so they can download it. Jewish producer Chris is going to upload the podcast so you can download it. That's good, Chris. I just came up with that. That's good. I think that, what? It is. That's good. On iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes, all right? All right, before we move on to emails and nuclear war, I just want to uh, explain something else about this Medal of Honor citation. He was talking about exhaustion and, and blinded and things like that. I have, I have, I've brought it up to you before, so I'm going to bring it up again, that when I read about naval combat, it terrifies me, which is funny because you talk to these sailors and they will tell you, you know, what the Marines do in the, in the trenches and stuff like that. That terrifies them. But it's the injuries and the death, the way they die and the way they're injured on these ships when they're in combat. That's what gets me the most. And I know I'm sounding like a big wuss. I'm sorry. I can't help it. And I'll be frank with you. Let's pause for a moment before we move on to World War III. You want to know something? I'm going to give you something personal here. You want to know something? There is something that haunts my dreams when it comes to World War III and not actual dreams, daydreams. Let's say some terrible conflict breaks out 
America, Russia, China, all these things. What if there's a huge naval battle? Because there will be. And what if a bunch of naval vessels go to the bottom of the ocean? Call it a Chinese hypersonic missile, which we can't defeat or something like that. It terrifies me because I understand what it means for the young sailors, the young men and women listening to the sound of my voice right now on these ships. It terrifies me. These ships, they're all metal and fuel and fire and steam and bombs. And when these ships start firing these gigantic explosives at each other, and then the planes start dropping the dive bombers, because remember, you generally had three different kind of bombers. Like for Americans, we kind of had three different kinds of planes, and there were a lot more than this, so don't quote me on this. I'm simplifying it. When it comes to a ship, naval aviators, we would have fighter planes, that you know what those are for. Yes, they, they're used to strafe on the ground, but they would fight other fighter planes. We would have dive bombers. They get way up high and they have a 500-pound bomb strapped to the bottom of them and you dive at a ship and release that bomb. Very hard to hit. Again, the ships are moving, but if you hit one, he's in trouble. And then the torpedo bombers, which especially early in the war was essentially a suicide mission. You get down to 50 feet off the ocean and you fly parallel straight at a ship, straight at him to drop your torpedo. There were missions in World War II where they'd send 50 of these guys out and 45 wouldn't come back. And the torpedo bomber crews are three-man crews, uh, the Avengers and whatnot. Anyway, anyway it's, let's talk about the ships. This is a re- another reason I wanted to read this one. Sometimes, depending on the area of the ship, if a bomb or a shell or a torpedo blows up in the wrong area, the men in that area will die of steam. They will be steamed to death. I read a story yesterday in a book I'm reading now about a guy who he thought everyone down in this area had been steamed to death. And he was mostly right, but it was two or three guys. I think it was three guys finally emerged from there. And his description of what these men looked like. Again, we're talking young men. 18, 19 years old, 20 years old. Whole lives ahead of them. Hopefully one day got a dime sitting beside him. A couple kids running around on the floor. They emerged from this room melting. Melting. If you get a hole... If that's, that's if there's a massive, massive steam explosion. There are several stories about this, especially in World War II, where a hole will rupture in the steam line. The steam is coming out at such high temperatures and with such pressure, it will cut off your head or limbs like, like a razor, just zip, gone. These ships, on the interior of these ships, things are falling Things are burning. Look, when you think about naval combat, the common thing to think about is drowning, which nobody thinks about that. Nobody has great thoughts about that, I should say. No one's thinking, wow, I hope I get to drown one day. That sounds freaking awful. But I'll be honest with you, and I don't want to drown either. When you look at naval combat, 
the things these men have gone through, that might be the better way to go. These guys die in the dark, in the heat, in the fire, and it just it terrifies me. And so World War II, especially World War II naval combat, I just am such a huge, as, as much as I like to make fun of the Navy, who deserves it, the World War II Navy guys, they just floor me, man. And that's what I think about today when I think about, what if that's an aircraft carrier today? Down. What is that? 5,000 sailors? Gone. And dying like that. You saw how this country hurt after 13 died in Afghanistan. What if it's 1,300 on a cruiser tomorrow? Crushing, right? All right, enough. Let's talk about that war after some emails. Next. Get the cure for rhinos. Weekdays with the Jesse Kelly Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Tuesday. Now let's get on to some emails. And remember, you can email me. What an honor and a privilege for you. What, Chris? Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. All right. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You hear this, Dr. Gupta? You probably didn't. It's on MSNBC. I don't even know why I'm playing it, except it's fun to say the name Gupta. Real quick, if you will, who needs to get a booster and when? So all of us need boosters. Um, so at six months of age and <laughs> up, uh, we're going to have boosters by the end of this month, hopefully. And those will protect, we believe, very strongly against these new versions of the virus. Yeah, it doesn't protect against anything. Stop taking that thing, please. Jesse, I heard slash read the USA has gone over the tipping point as related to the national debt. Supposedly, because of the rise in interest rates, we now cannot even pay the interest on the debt. Would you care to comment? Okay. Uh, It's not that we're over the tipping point yet. It's that, well, let me put it to you this way. I, I've, I've used this example before, so I'm going to make it even simpler. It's not that the car has gone over the cliff. It's that we are in the car. We're 100 feet from the cliff. We're heading towards the cliff at 100 miles per hour. We've cut the brake lines, and we're currently not even in the front seat where we could apply the brake. We're sitting in the back seat drinking whiskey. So, no, we've not crossed the tipping point yet, but... Well, look, just listen to this. The Treasury Department saying that the federal deficit right now is up 122% from a year ago. It's currently, year to date, at $1.6 trillion and still rising. Meaning we're spending more than we're taking in. I know you already know this. Um, Sorry for insulting your intelligence, but again, let's go over this. We're a family. As a family, we're bringing in $100,000 a year, okay? We have spent so irresponsibly. We've got two houses, got a boat, got two brand new cars. Oh, we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Got a brand new uh, fancy Rolex, got a new Rolex watch. The wife has some big diamond earrings. Chris, what's a big carrot for the... They'd measure diamonds in carrots. What do you mean you don't know? Don't you know anything about... Don't you know any jewelers? The wife doesn't wear earrings or whatever. She wife's got big diamond earrings on. Essentially, we bring in $100,000 a year. We have about $150,000 a year in bills we have to pay. So that's not good. But the worst part is it's not just that we have the boat and we have the two houses and the wife has the diamond earrings and we already have too much in bills. It's that I'm going out again tonight and I'm buying another Rolex just because I wanted a different color. It's not just where we're at. It's where we're going. And it's the fact that neither party is even 
a little bit interested in stopping the spend. And what, we, what we've all heard about before, and I'm not even going to spend much time on it because people think it's boring, and I understand that it is. The numbers are so big, trillions and whatnot. What I just marvel at is the debt crisis where America's credit rating goes into the toilet, the world moves off the dollar as the, as the reserve currency, where everything goes to crap. It's not a maybe. It's a guarantee. It is a guarantee. If we don't get the debt under control, it's a guarantee. And yet, with that guarantee coming, with that car heading towards the cliff, we're still sitting in the backseat drinking whiskey as if everything's going to be fine. And it's Republicans and Democrats. Remember, Biden spent more than any other president, except for Trump, who spent more than any other president, except for Obama, who spent more than any other president, except for Reagan, who spent more. You understand what I mean? They all do it. Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't matter. Just trillion dollar bill up, sounds good. Trillion dollar bill, sounds good. Trillion dollar bill up, sounds good. Then one day your kids or my kids, totally screwed. Completely screwed. So no, we're not over it yet. Are we going there? Oh, gosh, yes. Dear Shogun, I saw a commercial over the weekend, and FX is remaking James Clavel's Shogun with the female lead as a samurai. I'm pretty sure from what I read about feudal Japan didn't have any female samurai. When is the Kami reimagining BS going to end? Well, remember, diversity is the death of what? The death of everything. Absolutely everything. Including entertainment. Because the communist destroys everything he touches. And he does that because he believes... He has a religious duty with everything he touches. So if you're making the new show on FX, I don't know anything about this show, Shogun and whatnot. It sounds cool. sounds like it's about me, Chris. Anyway, if you're making some FX show about Shogun, you, if you were making the show, would only make a show that was designed to entertain whatever, whatever that involved. Tell a good story and entertain because you understand you're making a show that's your purpose. But the reason about 90% of the action leads are women now spin kicking their way through all the men. It's because the communist sits down to make a show. And does he want to entertain? I mean, yeah, but really he wants to spread his religion. And his sick, evil religion tells him men must be torn down. We must pretend women are men because that's how we'll achieve true equality. It doesn't matter that we've been doing this for decades and men are more miserable than they've ever been and women are more miserable than they've ever been. None of that stuff will stop the communist. When he sits down to make a show, he sits down with a religious purpose. He has a religious purpose, all right? Jesse, oh yeah, the COVID stuff. Thank you for calling out the innumerable tragedies resulting from COVID lockdowns by Republicans and Democrats alike which included not only the loss of children to suicide, destruction of education, so on and so forth. Over the last five years, I've had two cancer, or I've had two cancers, two cancer surgeries, a widowmaker heart attack, and a stroke. I'm doing well, but I always made sure to stick with my doctors and all the recommended visits and treatments. I had an appointment with one of, one of my oncologists yesterday, and he gave me the heartbreaking news that they are seeing more advanced cancers as a result of the COVID lockdowns when people didn't seek medical attention diagnostic help, or even skipped treatments. I know the communists didn't take a break when they destroyed the Boy Scouts or paused for even a second 
but is there anything or anyone they would not annihilate? His name is Brad. Well, no. But remember, they can't help it. The religion of communism, the religion of the malcontent, the reason it's so destructive is it takes the malcontent. Because remember, there's plenty people have plenty of valid reasons to be malcontented with their current situation, with their city, with their job, with their country. There are plenty of good reasons to be malcontented. But the thing that communism does is instead of reaching out to the malcontent and grabbing them and telling them it's going to be okay, you can improve, you'll get through this, instead of all the positive things you would do for somebody who is malcontented, down on their luck, think about a, a, a friend. Uh, think about a friend of yours going through something horrible. Uh, divorce. Your friend's going through a divorce. Your girlfriend, your friend, friend, whatever. They're going through a divorce. And you, you feel bad for them. You know what you don't do when you feel bad for them? They're going through it all. They're depressed. Nothing matters. My life's ruined. You don't show up and tell them your life, your, your life is ruined. It's all over. It actually does suck. It's all his fault too. You know what you should do? You should hurt him because he ruined your life, which is now meaningless and will never mean anything. If you don't hurt him, he's the one who did it all. You, you would never do that, right? Because that would be a horrible, evil thing to do. But that's what communism does. That's why it ends up so evil. It grabs the malcontent and it tells him, hey, you're right to be malcontented. And if you just give me power, I promise you, I will hurt the person who did this to you. That's what communism is. They can't help it. It consumes them. Of course, they destroy everything. Now, that brings us to nuclear war. Let's have a chat, shall we? Before we have that chat, let's go nuclear on AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon. You know, the companies that hate your guts, the mobile companies that hate your freaking guts. I know how you pay your cell phone. It's the same way I pay mine. We all give them a credit card and they automatically charge the credit card at the end of every month. Do they not? Are you making automatic payments to communism every single month? If you have Verizon, you are. T-Mobile, AT&T, you are. You could switch to Pure Talk, take you 10 minutes on the phone, speak to an American who speaks English, and right now, for a limited time, free 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk and sign up for their unlimited talk, text, and 15 gig data plan. 35 bucks a month. Free 5G Samsung Galaxy. All you have to do is pick up that cell phone. Dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly. That's all it takes. Pound 250, say Jesse Kelly. Switch to Pure Talk. Jesse Kelly returns next. It is the Jesse Kelly show on a Tuesday. I don't like these four day work weeks. I'm all off. I feel like it's Monday. It's not Monday. It's not doing, doesn't work for me. It's not uh, quick ant update before we get to world war three. Part of me is excited about the prospect of Russia dropping nuclear weapons on America. Not because I want anybody to die, but I will finally defeat the ants. If Russia does this, it, it's gotten so bad in one room. I have eight ant traps set up. Eight ant traps. We're overrun. All right, we're overrun. I don't know how much longer I can last. All right, quit. You know from time to time the oracle himself. He likes to look back on the things that the oracle said. Do you remember back in February 
of 2022. That's like two years ago, give or take, when the Oracle said this. Vladimir Putin, he has to win or he's going to die. I don't mean lose an election. This is Russia. You don't lose elections in Russia. You just uh, commit suicide, Jeffrey Epstein style. Vladimir Putin has nuclear weapons. Vladimir Putin either wins or he dies. And beyond nuclear weapons, he has gigantic weapons. We love the story right now of Russia, Ukraine, and I'm not telling you not to love the story. Be inspired. Cheer, right? I, I'm with. Look, I'm with you. Just as guilty. Get them, Ukrainians. Just remember, though, backing a desperate wolf into a corner means somebody's going to get bitten. Let's just be aware. We are dealing with a human being who still has a gigantic army and a human being who is in possession of weapons that can turn New York City to ash. That was me from 2022. This is me from last week. And in the very beginning, we even tried to do the thing that we had done before. Well, we're not going to send over tanks or F-16s. If you do that, it's World War Three. Because as most leaders have known throughout the history of mankind, if it's too obvious, it's World War III. As as a country, we can, of course, get with our boys at the CIA and make sure the Ukrainians are receiving plenty of shipments of arms and munitions. Oh, everything you need. Need those artillery shells? Make your way down to the docks, boys. You got a new ship coming in. Oh, you can do that. But you can't rub it in Putin's face. And now that, quote, supporting Ukraine has become part of your membership card. It's a membership requirement to be part of the system. At all costs, you have to. Well, people want to get their membership card and they want to get it publicly. So now when any of these people from Lindsey Lindsey Graham to Joe Biden, when they want to deliver F-16s or Abrams tanks over to Ukraine to go kill Russian soldiers, it's they don't want to do it on the sly. They need that membership card. So how do you get that? Well, you got to give a press conference. Hey, F-16s and missiles coming. We're going to kill so many Russians. Rah, 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 guys. Rah, rah, rah. Well, exactly how long do you think you can do that to the power with the most nuclear weapons on the planet until they are pretty much forced to respond? Which brings us to today. Headline from Newsweek. Russian state TV threatens nuclear strike on the U.S. Threatening us with a Russian nuclear-tipped missile, if you will. Now, why is this? Let's let's at least try to understand it because we're going to move on. We have all kinds of stuff we have to get to this hour about the disaster at the Naval Academy and this 14th Amendment stuff with Trump and, and, and another January 6th prisoner, COVID, all kinds of stuff. But let's get to this. Why? Why can you fight a proxy war? Why can I fight a proxy war quietly, but I can't do it loudly? I can do it behind your back, even with you knowing behind your back, 
I can't do it in front of your face. Well, here, here, let's let's use this as, a, as an example. If I if I tell my son, my 14-year-old has a phone. He has a phone. We monitor the usage and whatnot, but he has a phone. He's always at practice and whatnot. He's got a phone. If I tell my son, hey, James, get off your phone. We're having family dinner, whatever. We don't let him sit around on their phone. But if I let him, and I said, hey, James, put your phone away. Get off your phone. Can James go sneak away to, quote, use the bathroom for 20 minutes and have me know that he's definitely sitting in there on his phone when he shouldn't be? Well, of course. I know he's on his phone. He knows he's on his phone. And more importantly, he knows that I know he's on his phone. But he snuck off to the bathroom to do it. So can he get away with that? Uh, Yeah, for the most part. I'm not going to call him out at some point in time. Sure, but he can get away with that. Now, if we're sitting there at dinner and I say, James, get off your phone. And he says, okay. He sets the phone down for one second. Then right in front of me, he just picks it right back up. Right in my face. Gets on his phone. Do you think that's going to prompt a different response than James being on his phone in the bathroom? Of course it is. Why? Well, now you've challenged my authority. Now you've challenged me personally, and you've done it in public and right in my face. And don't discount pride when it comes to world wars and world events Because pride has tied into virtually all of them. Why were we so careful about how we fought our proxy wars in the past? And look, them too, the Soviets, when they were fighting proxy wars with us in the past, as I've pointed out before, Vietnam, they wanted to send a bunch of equipment to Vietnam, and they did so quietly. You didn't see Soviet commissars running to the television set bragging about all the tanks they just sent the North Vietnamese. When we were backing the Afghanis against the Soviets, you didn't see American politicians giving press conferences after press conference after press conference bragging about the devastating weapons we'd just given the Afghanis. Because we always understood you better go to the bathroom if you're going to be on the phone. Nobody feels like they have to go to the bathroom anymore. It has me extremely concerned. All right, we have another hour with a lot to get to, and we will dig into all of it. You need to dig into getting some gold and silver in case World War III does kick off because you know what that means for the dollar. We already addressed the debt crisis, right? What do you think it means for the dollar if a nation buried in debt, already spending way too much, all of a sudden has to go to a war footing where we are fighting a major war with another major power. If we were in great financial shape, that would be a financial disaster. If it happened to us now, call Oxford Gold, please. Get gold or silver coins delivered to your front door so when these people wipe out the dollar, you're not wiped out and left with nothing. Get it in your 401k, IRA. You didn't bust your butt your whole life to build that retirement only to give it away to some dirtball politician. Call Oxford Gold. Tell them Jesse told you to call. 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-GOLD. Oxford Gold Group. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 